be the best Number one and nothing less Lead me to my destiny I have waited patiently I have vision, though I believe I know I can count on me So stand up for the champions For the champions Another touchdown and a foul from Martinez Stand up Third down throw Down from behind, pulled down from behind by Austin Moore. On the stretch play, he's got it, he will score. Here we go with the Big 12 championship game. Here we go, it's getting Lobs at far side, has Knowles, and he'll catch the ball at the 15-yard line. It's just like that. Howard wants to throw, has Ben Sennett, he's got it, touchdown! Touchdown, Kansas State! have vision, can't you see? I'm on the move, make way. He's at the 30. He's at the 25 to the 20. He is at the 10. He will house it. Touchdown. Touchdown, Kansas State. The deuce is loose. The turn of the give is to Kendra Miller. I don't think he made it. I don't think he made it. Good snap and placement. Kick on the way. It is up. And good. It's good. The Wildcats are champions of the Big 12 in 2022. Go crazy, everybody. Go crazy. We did. Thank you so much for tuning in to this very special episode of the Sleppy Sports Podcast. We're going to break down K-State's incredible win in overtime in the Big 12 Championship as K-State is the Big 12 champs in 2022. Are you kidding me, people? Unbelievable. I mean, I kind of I kind of sort of predicted this, but not really. So back in my preview episode of the Big 12 preview show, I did say that K-State was going to win the Big 12, but I was just like, you know what? I was kind of like, you know what? You know what? Screw it. Yeah, sure. K-State will win the Big 12. Do I think that's going to happen? No. But <laughs> I predicted it. I quote-unquote predicted it anyway. That's what I had on my uh, my sheet in front of me. I said K-State's going to win the Big 12, but I kind of was just like, eh, I don't think they will. So I can't really give myself credit for predicting it, unfortunately. I can I, I will say that I did think that K-State was going to make the Big 12 championship game. I just didn't think that we were going to win it in such a interesting fashion. Not only just just by winning it in overtime, but by going seven and two in conference play and losing to a game against a two lane team, which ended up being a very good two lane team that could possibly be a top fifteen team in the country if they win their bowl game and win eleven games this season, or actually it would be twelve because they're right now. Uh, I believe they're. I think they're. They're eleven and. They're eleven and two right now, I believe. Pretty incredible stuff as they uh, won the the AAC championship. But more importantly, K State wins the Big Twelve championship, and this is going to be a very special episode. Going to talk about how the game unfolded, some of the biggest plays, how things happened, how they did. My perspective of the game. Uh, I was in the rafters. Or I guess <laughs> it was, I was in the Bob Euchre seat. Basically, I was all the way up at the top, and uh, I was able to see a good amount of everything that was going on in the field. And uh, it was, it, they were good seats, even though they were in the nosebleeds. Like I, like I kind of say, when you take pictures of seats from the nosebleeds, it doesn't, doesn't look like you are you got very good seats, but you can actually see the, the field very well. Even in hockey, even in hockey, you get nosebleed seats, you can see the puck pretty well. But either way, kind of let's go ahead and start this thing off with uh, what happened in the morning. 
College game day was in Arlington, and this was pretty special. And K-State, well, they showed out. I think banners being on the line, being able to recruit saying you're the conference champion is a big deal. And to be honest, I did not expect this this morning here at College Game Day because TCU is like 20 minutes down the road. It feels like every Uh-oh. man's Uh-oh. a wildcat. <laughs> Reese was right. What, what, what did he say? Reese he said, say? hey, you say Emaw or every man's a wildcat. This place is going to go bananas. And I think it's because they had to travel in the night before. They do that whole thing. Yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go because, well, I had to do a high school basketball game on Friday night and uh, was not willing to uh, drive from uh, Seneca, Kansas, all the way to Arlington, Texas. So it should have been a nine-hour drive. And I uh, got done at around 9.30. I drove to Wichita, spent the night in Wichita, and ended up leaving around 4 a.m. with a buddy of mine. Uh, of course, those who know me, Chad. Shout out, Chad. Uh, appreciate you for going with me and putting your vehicle on the line. It was a bumpy ride at Oklahoma and Texas highways. Not very friendly for those who might be, may or may not be aware. But uh, yeah, it was it was a, a it was a long drive. But I mean, with him, it flew by. It was a lot of fun, uh, and we watched game day from the car. A little bit, and then I uh, picked up my brother and his girlfriend from the airport, then headed on over to the stadium, got there around 10.20-ish or so, then made the treacherous walk down to the stadium. We got in at about 10 till or so, and we were able to get right to our seats right before kickoff, which was about quarter past 11. Uh, so it was a lot of fun, and uh, g- getting away from the fun and excitement of the whole atmosphere Let's actually get into the breakdown of this game, and we start off with how things started, and that was when TCU started off with a stop, a touchdown, and then a stop. This was big because K-State lost the coin toss, and TCU decided to defer. K-State has this year many times chose to receive when they win the coin toss, so this is right where we wanted them. That was what I've been saying and you'll you'll hear me say this is what I said right before. The, you know, I'm going to be doing that a lot. So just a heads up, just a forewarning. I will be talking about what I said before plays a lot during this podcast. I know I will. Uh, but either way, what I was saying is that's what we wanted. The TCU crowd goes wild for, oh, we won the toss. It's like, nope, they're going to give us the ball. It's what we wanted. But TCU's defense got a stop. K-State went run, run, pass, punt. Which uh, my brother said, you know, that's old, that's Bill Snyder football right there. You know, run, run, pass, punt. That's <laughs> Bill Snyder football. Uh, but uh, we give them the ball back. They march down the field. Takes up a lot of time, which was, uh, I mean, of course, giving up a touchdown doesn't feel great. But it, co- it cost six minutes and 57 seconds. They go 13 plays for 92 yards. It was capped off by a little a short throw to Tate Barber in the end zone. And on, on that first that first drive for K-State, there was a couple of drop passes um, on that well, on that first drive and the second drive as well, which also resulted in a punt. That was a three and out. And after that three and out, I was like, oh, man, this is not looking good. We gave them the ball back with 3.56 left in the first quarter, and we had done absolutely nothing on offense. One first down, they had a touchdown, and things were looking really bad at the time, really bleak. And then all of a sudden, Kendra Miller – Gets a 21-yard run to get into K-State territory again. And then the defense starts to kick it up a notch. They get a, get a uh, just a three-yard run by Miller, then an incomplete pass, 
And then an interesting decision by head coach Sonny Dykes. And this is the first of many of his, I think, very questionable decisions. He decides to kick a 55-yard field goal. And I know Griffin Kell, Griffin Kell has had a very good season this year, the TCU kicker. But I thought this was kind of a, a bad decision because how how productive the TCU offense had been, I think, even though it's fourth and seven, which is a long ways, you go for it and keep that momentum going. And then if you convert it, which was, I would say, somewhat likely, you're likely to get possibly back into the end zone and boom, all of a sudden you're up 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter. But instead, he misses it and gives K-State good field position at their own 37-yard line. And that was, of course, when K-State's offense started to pick it up. He got the deep shot to Malik Knowles down the field on the second play of the drive, which set up the tie, or excuse me, the uh, Ben Sennett touchdown, which was, by the way, on a fourth and one. That was a fourth down touchdown play in the red zone. Gutsy call by Chris Kleiman and Colin Klein. I loved it. I thought it was a great idea to even things up, and it, they did just that. And a throw for it, flip it in the flat, catch made, Senate leads, touchdown! They snuck the tight end down! What a response by this Wildcat offense. No. They didn't even need the end zone. It wasn't fourth and goal from the one. It was fourth and one, and they ended up getting the touchdown. Uh, that was from the seven-yard line, and we were tied seven to seven, that was with 15 seconds left. And by the way, before we move forward, can I? Can we just get some, some, some freaking Ben Sennett love? My, like my, my goodness, what the the best one of the best seasons by a tight end for K State in a very very long time. He was unbelievable this season. He stepped up in the latter half of the season. One of Will Howard's favorite targets this year as a sophomore, and next year has a chance to really break out with Will Howard taking over the full-time job for the full 11, maybe 12, maybe 13, maybe 14 games, maybe 15 games. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's move on. <laughs> All right, so after the touchdown, TCU starting to feel a little bit like they are starting to come back down to earth. It's a three and out. They lose five yards uh, total on that drive. And Phillip Brooks has a, a decent punt return of 11 yards but then K-State has to punt it right back, and then TCU punts it right back, and thinking, man, wow, how about the defense by both of these teams? I thought that was pretty impressive. But before TCU punted, K-State took a deep shot down the field to Deuce Vaughn. He got hit. It was called a targeting, but it was reversed. I, From where I sat and on the Jumbotron, it was very questionable. And I think kind of looking at the reviews, I think they did, I think they did the right thing. It didn't look like it was... Uh, a targeting, so it ended up being second and ten, and then they ended up having to punt, as mentioned. But then on the following K-State drive, it was an end around to Malik Knowles on the first play of that drive that got K-State into the red zone, but Malik Knowles, he took a bad hit. I uh, didn't end up hearing how he got hurt, like where he got injured, what part of his body was injured, but he would not come back in for the rest of the game after that play. And I was hearing, uh, I believe it was on Twitter I saw this, um, I saw that there were reports of him in, in tears on the sideline, knowing that his season might be coming to an end, possibly. But we will see now, since K-State won and can play on December 31st, will he be good enough to go in the Sugar Bowl? We will see. So that was a huge blow. It really was, because that's your deep threat. And K-State was able to utilize him in a couple of big plays 
to get K-State some momentum and uh, get a big uh, couple of swings. But right after that, thankfully, a nice play to Deuce Vaughn right down to the one-yard line and then up-tempo getting the touchdown. Nice job of stepping away from pressure and a great throw. And on tempo, walking into the end zone is Will Howard. Colin Klein was all over that drive. The Jets sweep the big throw to the running back, and the quarterback just walks in, and the Cats have the lead. So momentum really on K-State's side after that play. And then K-State goes and gets a stop, and it feels like things are really starting to change. And I really, really think it was a great idea that on the next drive, they go for it on fourth and one. But I think the play call was not great. It was just a little run to the left side by Deuce Vaughn. He was stopped. So that was when things started to shift back towards TCU just a little bit for a moment. But then the very next play, disaster strikes for the Horn Frogs. DBs in there for K-State trying to stop this receiving core. Duggan delivers a long throw. Johnson is left alone. And he's wide open. Ball's out on the ground, and K-State's made the recovery. Austin Moore recovers that the first turnover of the game is a huge one. It was a huge one. I mean, uh, for obvious reasons, but it was Julius Brents who came from behind and knocked it free. And as Fowler said, it was Austin Moore who picked it up. And for, for the entire day, Julius Brents, despite giving up four big receptions to Quinton Johnston, I thought he had a, a pretty solid performance. Could it have been better? Perhaps. But ultimately, it's like what Chris Kleiman said after the game, talking about Brents. He said, when you're playing one-on-one against a guy who's probably going to be a first-round pick, you're going to lose some of those battles. But how you win the war is how you respond to those plays and he responded very well and he got that turnover and later of course has the interception as well get that get to that in just a bit I, overall i thought julius brens had a fantastic day uh for the for the during the entire duration of the big 12 championship with, with of course a couple of exceptions but he makes that play cats get the ball back and then the first play the next drive deuce fawn had a run that was marked as an eight yard run but to me, it looked like it was maybe 10 or 11 yards. Now, I could be wrong. I, I haven't seen the re- replay of this play. I'll have to go back and watch the full game to see it again. But it looked to me like it was more like a 10 to 11-yard run, but it was only marked as an 8-yard run. So then after that, on the third down and six, going for a deep shot to Kate Warner, trying to get his confidence up after he had a couple of big drops. And he made, he made a, a pretty spectacular play on the ball. It was called a catch. But it ended up being an incompletion, so K-State had to punt it back away. And then TCU came back down. They got a field goal before the half. K-State tried to get something going on a final drive, but uh, Will Howard gets sacked, and that was the end of that. But overall, I think it was a half that was, for the most part, controlled by TCU, I would say. Of course, K-State had their moments. The first... 11 minutes were it was all TCU. So the fact that K-State was able to respond the way they did to tie the game up at 7 to 7. It, it did not feel like it should have been tied 7 to 7 after the first quarter, but that was uh that was where it was at at the time. Also failed to mention that during the first quarter 
Echo Boydo, he after he made a, a pretty solid defensive play, he landed down on his armpit, it looked like, and it, it made his shoulder do something really weird. It did not look good. It's going to be a long stretch for him to to play in the Sugar Bowl. That injury did not look good. It was it was rough. So then from there, I mean, you had guys really step up. I mean, talking about freshman Jacob Parrish, he was unbelievable. I mean, the fact that K-State gets him for three more years is just, it's, it's incredible. I, I cannot wait to see how this kid blooms into becoming a, an elite shutdown corner every single week for us. It's going to be massive. But also another guy that came in, I did not know this until after the game. I didn't I didn't know this until after I was listening to some podcasts, some post-game interviews. Keenan Garber, who has been with the team for a while, good few years, he apparently switched from wide receiver to defensive back. I had no idea that this happened. No idea. So he switched his jersey to number 35, and he came in and played some quarterback. And he was actually really stinking good. I mean, Max Duggan was trying to target him, and he didn't allow any big plays. Same with uh, Omar Daniels. I mean, he was targeted quite a bit as well. Redshirt freshman. He stepped up in a big way. So the fact that they were able to get some big moments from some of those guys, and then not not to mention, I mean, the safeties that, that had already been having to fill in as well. VJ Payne, he was incredible. This is another guy that K-State is going to be sitting on for a good few years. He's just a true freshman. And then uh, Drake Cheatham stepped up in a, in a big way. He had some really nice plays. Some big tackles downfield. Of course, Joshua Hayes. He was their main go-to guy, the Virginia transfer. After Kobe Savage and Sincere Mason both uh, left with their injuries earlier in the season. Max Marsh, a sophomore from Colorado. He got some playing time as well. So pretty, pretty incredible what they were able to do with uh, limited numbers. So resuming with the second half, on the first drive of the second half, on third down and nine, rolls to his right, tries, tries to fire away a pass downfield, and Austin Moore swats it out of the air to the ground. It's scooped up in the end zone by a Horn Frog offensive lineman for safety, or so he thought. I mean, I, I just honestly, I, looking back at this play, I don't know how they were able to overturn it. I think either way, which 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 either way, if it was called an incomplete pass, I think it should have stayed an incomplete pass. If it was called a safety, it should have stayed a safety. I just I don't understand what they saw from the replay that they were able to overturn that call. And that is honestly a play that if K-State would have lost this game, that is a definitely a play that you definitely would circle. One of the many, and we'll get to some more of those here in a bit. So TCU ends up having to punt it, and it was a, a pretty good punt. Jordy Sandy, the punter for TCU, didn't have a great day, not a Ty Zentner day, but 
He got K-State to their own 38-yard lines. Pretty good field position for the Cats. And the Cats capitalized. Took them just four plays. Ben Sennett with a nice chunk reception. 26 yards. Kind of what he does best, operating in the middle of the field. That's where he's made a lot of his money this year. Working in the middle of the field. Which I guess as a, a tight end kind of makes sense. But either way. And then how about the red shirt freshman R.J. Garcia making, I think it was only his fifth or sixth catch of his entire career at K-State. More importantly, his first touchdown as a Wildcat. Got 26, and now the Cats crank some tempo. Howard looking to throw again on first down. Launches to the end zone. Jump ball, touchdown, R.J. Garcia with his first touchdown of the season. Filling in for their fallen star, and the Cats are stretching the lead. So that made it 21-10 Cats. And uh, by the way, after that, I didn't realize this. How what exactly happened on the unsportsmanlike conduct? So it was Bud Clark, a defensive back for TCU. He ended up shoving Ben Sennett and then squaring up as if he was gonna try to go into the ring with him for twelve rounds. Like he actually squared up with him, like he was about to, you know, eh, let me at him, you know, let me at him, you see, let me at him, or whatever. I don't know. It was kind of like one of those sort of things, and it was just embarrassing. And Benson is like, enough of you, dude. I'm going to go celebrate with my teammate who scored his first ever touchdown as a K-State Wildcat. It was, Yeah, that was just embarrassing. So it uh, ended up being a pretty uh, interesting decision on the kickoff. It was instead of trying to just blast it through the end zone or maybe try to get the punt or excuse me, get the kickoff right at around the five or three-yard line and force a, a bad run out. Instead, kind of just doing a squib kick, and TCU was able to dive on it at about the 35, 36-yard line. But that wouldn't really matter because Felix, he was hungry, and on third down, he ate as he got a sack for a loss of nine to make it fourth and 16. With everything going right for the Cats, little did they know that disaster was about to strike. Big 12 defensive player of the year makes a big play. First sack of Duggan. And the punt is now Moss to scramble for it. TCU's got it. Oh, my goodness. Just when the Cats seem to have everything going their way, the punt is muffed. So the muff punt happens, and, like, man, brutal decision by Phillip Brooks. He ran about 15 yards to try to make this catch. Kind of felt like what Seth Porter did back against Mississippi State back in 2019. Uh, did that twice, but that was that was brutal. That was really brutal. And as a result, Horn Frogs were able to capitalize. Three plays, just needed 30 yards to get in to make it 21-17 instead of it being 28-10. But this is something that I said. At least it wasn't going to be 28-10 because being up 28-10 the last time did not work out so great for the Cats. So I was kind of glad we didn't end up getting up 28-10 to because then it would have been, uh, I mean, that's just kind of a jinx. Uh, but either way, then K-State has to punt it, and they just were not able to get anything going on that following drive as Howard on a third and four was, was operating from the TCU 33-yard line, but he ended up getting sacked for a 12-yard loss to back him out of field goal range I tell you what, a field goal, a field goal there would have been very big, because you know after you get the turnover, you surrender the touchdown, you give a lot of momentum back to the Horn Frogs. But getting those points that would have been big, but they are unable to do so as they're knocked out of field goal range, 
And then after that, a big play to Quentin Johnston for 51 yards down the field. As uh, Julius Brents just kind of looked lost on that play, got turned around. And then he commits a, a P.I. And then, thankfully, the end of the third quarter. This could not have come at a better time because then Julius Brents able to get the interception on a really bad throw by Max Duggan. He was under pressure, which that helps, but he throws this way too low. I mean, all you have to do is just throw the ball away. Throw the ball. If you're going to make a mistake, throw it too far. Throw it too high. But he underthrows him, allows Brents to get underneath it, and this wasn't even close. Brents get underneath it, and that gave K-State so, so much momentum out of that because, of course, right after the break, you don't have to go back and do another TV timeout. You can just hop right back hop right back out onto the field. That's another thing, too, is some of these TV timeouts, they came at very good times for K-State throughout the night. Uh, it's hard to explain how that how that happened, but sometimes when momentum started to shift towards TCU, there would then be a three-minute, 55-second break because some of the commercial breaks were longer because they were running behind on commercials. They had to play an extra one. So it gave K-State a little bit more time to breathe and get some of that momentum back and have the crowd die down a little bit. And uh, I think that, that played a little bit of it. I'm not saying that was a, a huge factor, but I think it did play just a minor fractionary portion, or a little, just a little, a little factor, a little bit of a factor. Because then the next drive, it was a good start to the drive. Howard had a nice pass to Brooks down the sideline. He had a nice, uh, some you know, nice yards after catch. And then Vaughn had a seven-yard run. Will had an eight-yard uh, eight run and then gave Deuce a bit of a break. Uh, Giddens came in. And then Deuce, after that one play off, he comes back in and has the run of his life. And man, let me tell you, I was hyped after this play. I was screaming like crazy because it really felt like at that time, that was it. Like that was the nail in the coffin. But my brother, my dear brother, he said there is so much time left on the clock. I was like, no, Zach, that's not 1127. That's 127. Stop talking. Stop bringing things back down to earth. We're not playing the number three team in the nation. We're playing against, uh, I don't know, KU. The game's over. But no, it was far from over. Touchdown was great, but man, 11-27 left for Max Duggan and crew was more than enough time to get the Horned Frogs back in the game. Next possession, they used quite a bit of clock, almost four minutes of time used by the Horned Frogs. They go 10 plays, 51 yards. They get a field goal. And an incredible 4th and 10 conversion, but there was a blatant hold on Nate Matlack. He was trying to do a spin move in the right tackle for TCU. He literally tackled him to the ground and brought him to his back. And he threw it down the field to Tay Barber for about a 20-yard completion. It was, a, it was one of the most blatant holds. The fact that I could see it from four stories in the air kind of gives you an idea of how bad it was. Then a few plays later... Duggan runs it all the way down to the five-yard line, but he, but Felix got held this time. They actually called it. And by, by the way, I'm sure there's many times that Felix got held that I did not see, but that the fact that I could see that 
just goes to show how bad that hold was on Nate Matlack. But either way, Felix gets held and gets called back. And uh, then they are able to complete a 10-yard pass to set up fourth and four after uh, the penalty. And then they decide to go for the points, which I thought was very interesting. But on, I mean, I'm kind of iffy on it because they don't have the momentum after the touchdown. But at the same time, you know, fourth and four is certainly manageable with the way TCU's offense was able to operate in the second half. This was definitely a manageable distance for the Horn Frogs to convert. So I was a little surprised. It's a questionable decision. Another one that I think kind of goes either way. And maybe if you ask Sonny Dykes, you, you maybe want that one back. He might say yes. He might say no. But I don't think that one's he. I don't think that's the one he's going to lose his sleep on. Get to the one that was, in just a bit. So it's twenty eight to twenty now, and Cats have a chance to ice the game if they play their cards right. Because I mean, there's still quite a bit of time. Seven minutes thirty four seconds. But if you use up five, six, six and a half minutes a clock. You can potentially ice this thing and really force TCU to hurry up their offense and be uncomfortable. But they unfortunately were, were unable to. They do get a first down to Phillip Brooks. He made a nice, he ran a nice route. And he just ultimately, Phillip Brooks, he had a really nice day filling in for Malik Knowles. But after that, K State got shut down, had to punt it away. TCU had four minutes and 47 seconds left to get a touchdown, and that was certainly more than enough time. This was when it kind of felt like it was Duggan's Heisman moment. I mean, he had four runs of 15, 13, 19, and 40 yards on that next drive and that 40-yard play coming on a second and 20 after a a TCU penalty. It was an offensive pass interference in the end zone. It would have been a touchdown. It was a 38-yard touchdown that was called back for that OPI. And then the 8-yard touchdown run to make it a 28-26 game. And then the 2-point conversion. And let me tell you, after Jared Wiley, the tight end for TCU, caught this ball, it was loud. K-State stopped 3 out of 4 for their 2-point conversions this year. Something pretty interesting happened after that. Max Duggan clearly shaken up. He, he got shaken up multiple times after a couple of those, some of those big runs. He was kind of pushing his teammates away. Not like pushing, pushing, but like kind of just being like, don't, don't like touch me. Don't push me. Just, I'm hurt. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> kind of sort of deals. He was in a lot of pain and he really put his whole body on the line for his team. So, I mean, just talk about an absolute baller. That certainly was his Heisman moment in this game. I mean, if TCU would have won, that certainly would have been the moment. It would have been, the, the obviously, the touchdown and the two-point conversion. So then K-State has a chance of their own. And, man, I was definitely... I still kind of am. I'm a little disappointed that, that Will Howard wasn't able to generate a touchdown drive with about how much time was left at the time. 151 left in the game was for, for Will Howard. That's plenty of time. I mean, they started with the ball. They started with the ball at their own 34-yard line. Deuce Vaughn to kind of test the waters to see how the drive would go. It starts off with a six-yard run. Okay, get the ball at the 40-yard line. You're already at the 40. You'll need about 25 more yards, and you are set. 
but unfortunately that would be uh they were una- they were unable to they were they were unable to uh, do that as there was an incompletion then uh, I mean Deuce Vaughn got a 12-yard reception after that but then three consecutive incompletions after that but that was a heck of a throw to Deuce Vaughn I mean he really thread the thread the needle to him Vaughn made a nice route from the backfield to make that play but then three consecutive incompletions, a couple of drops, one by Cade Warner. That was brutal. Third and 10 with 50 seconds left. And then Ty Zentner, man, what a baller. I mean, the fact that he was able to pin this thing back to the six-yard line, Seth Porter making the catch at the six-yard line, that was huge. Because if that was a ball that was – uh, Ty Zentner said this after the game. He put he puts that in the end zone. All of a sudden, they get the ball at the 20-yard line. Who knows what could happen after that. But instead – they decide to take it to OT. Max Duggan takes the knee, and that, honestly, I think is really surprising. I think that is a decision that Sonny Dykes is regretting, is not trying to push it. But, I mean, at the same time, if Max Duggan was a little healthier, maybe they would have, but maybe Duggan still wasn't feeling up to par at this moment. He was unable to make that play. Or do anything at that moment, I suppose. So as they are just fine with getting it into overtime, they realize, hey, we got the momentum. Go into overtime, get a score, get a stop. Boom, we're Big 12 champs. We're going to be in the playoff. So to start overtime, TCU, first play, 15-yard run. Kendra Miller down the near sideline from where we were sitting. I don't know if it was near or far for the TV. But down the sideline, 15-yard run, all of a sudden, boom, first and goal. It's like, oh, great. They're just going to march this thing right in. I was just devastated. Let me tell you, you should have seen the look on my stupid face the entire time. I looked like we'd already lost. It was already over. We had no chance of winning. Which, in my defense, (laughs) the the odds of them doing what they did were just so drastically low. I mean, it's... I, it's still hard for me to comprehend that the situation that they were in, first play, 10-yard run, still able to somehow get a stop. But So specifically, after that 10-yard run, Miller gets another 4-yard run to get into the 6, and then Max Duggan makes a heck of an effort to try to extend for the goal line, but his forearm is down literally one inch of the goal line. Like, it was that close. And, of course, if you've seen it, then you would know how close it was. It was stupid close. And Duggan, when he saw that he wasn't in, he was deflated because you could tell that he gave everything he got into that play. Because he was not, I don't think he was healthy enough to, to make that play. Just, that's the only explanation for having him not have it QB sneak it one inch from the goal line. Literally one inch from the goal line. And even then, they had about a four or five minute review of that play of whether Duggan got in or not to get him ready for the next play. And he still wasn't able to go. And then there was a, another review after the third down and goal play. Still didn't do it. But either way, the, the third down, third down and goal, it was. Khalid Duke, who got hit, who got the hit from behind. And I didn't see this originally, but the ball actually popped free for a split second. But they were able to get on it. I think it was one of the offensive linemen 
that ended up uh, making the play underneath the pile. And then on fourth down and goal, when everything was against him, K-State gets the stop and goes full 2011 versus Miami. Which, of course, for those who don't remember, it was first and goal at the one, second and goal at the one, third goal at the one, fourth and goal at the one. They get the stop. Knee is short. K-State wins. Again, that was 2011 versus Miami. Fast forward to today. It was Eli Huggins who got the hit in front on Kendra Miller. And coming from behind, Deuce Green was able to get a hold of Miller's leg and make sure that he was unable to have it underneath him to try to make a second effort to extend. Both of those two guys making the play, getting the stop, K-State gets the ball. Which, by the way, Eli Huggins... How in the world was he not a all-Big 12 first or second teamer? Like, that just blows my mind. But, I mean, for Deuce Green, it's pretty pretty phenomenal. His, his season has had a lot of ups and downs. Beginning of the year, didn't, didn't play great. Then he got hurt. But when he came back, he came back. He's been sensational ever since he returned from his injury. And he was a stud in this Big 12 championship game. Made so many big-time tackles. There was one play specifically that he prevented a touchdown. It was K-State was playing a cover zero. K-State was playing full man-to-man, expecting expecting a run. They got a run, but there was a big hole in the middle of the field. Deuce Green was somehow able to get over, slide over, make a tough shoestring tackle to prevent a, like a 60-yard touchdown. Just little things like that. I mean, obviously that was a big thing, but he's able to make a lot of tackles in the open field. He's making tackles that honestly that prevented a lot of big plays. So, I mean, big shout-out to Deuce. He was, honestly, if Deuce Vaughn wasn't the outstanding player of the game... And I think it should have been Deuce Green, as he was sensational. But he makes the stop from behind, Huggins in front, K-State gets the ball. Deuce Vaughn goes for three consecutive carries. He has a nine-yard carry on the first play. Second play, he has a two-yard carry to get the first down. At the 14-yard line, then a little one-yard run. TCU started to stack the box. They're kind of understanding, okay, they're just trying to run it, go for the field goal. Did just that. Will Howard takes a three-yard loss, and the rest is history. Kansas State outlasts TCU, and they are Big 12 champions for the first time in a decade. First Big 12 championship since 2012. First time winning a Big 12 championship game since 2003. First 10-win season since 2012. And by the way, Kansas State has more 10-win seasons and Big 12 championships in the past 24 hours than Ohio State has had in over 100 years. So we will definitely take that. Just an unbelievable performance from everyone at all facets of the game. It was just such a such a fun moment, such a fun game, 
and what a way to do it. I mean, the culmination of Coach Kleiman's career at K-State, four years, things start off pretty well in 2019. Not his players, but go out there, win eight, win, get eight wins in a regular season, but don't win the bowl game. They lose in a heartbreaker. 2020, COVID strikes. K-State loses 45 nothing against Iowa State in a game they probably shouldn't have even played. Among other really bad losses, they go 4-5. and five. 2021, a year that was reeled with injuries, a lot of what-ifs. They still win eight games with a bowl win. And then in January, Coach Kleiman talked about how, and the players said this too, how the locker room just really, really molded and gelled together after that bit, after that bowl win and said, guys, we have something special here. And they certainly did. I'm now going to play what... Uh, what Chris Kleinman said after the game. Inches to go. Rise up. Rise up. We talked about it all, all week long. When people doubt you, rise up. And we were destined to be here. Uh, and, and our kids rose up today. Awesome football team. I hope we they get a chance. I hope they get a chance to play next week or in a month because they're worthy of it. But that group was doubted all year. They continue to rise up. I couldn't t- t- tell you much about the senior leadership. You talk about kids who are doubted on your team. Will Howard has been through more than almost any kid in America. Tell me how he rose to this occasion today. You know, let's compliment Adrian Martinez because Adrian Martinez has helped Will Howard. Things that Adrian went through, Will went through some of those. Those two have become best of friends. Those two are why we're here. Both those two guys are why we're in this position. People might have doubted the size of Deuce Vaughn at some point in his life, but the heart is immeasurable. How did that young man ride this wave? Guy's a dude. He's one of the best players in college football. We rode him today. Uh, what? Can't say enough about that guy, that group of guys. People doubted us, man. And we're Holly. We won the freaking Big Twelve. Are you kidding me? Yes, you did, Coach, and nobody doubted. I just think it's so cool that the first thing that. Coach Kleiman did when he mentioned Will Howard was talk about Adrian Martinez. Because, I mean, he's absolutely right. Cats would not be here without what he did for the team at the beginning of the year to put K-State in the position to win the Big 12. He didn't just do that with his success on the field. It was his success off the field with his incredible leadership and character for helping his teammate and his, I mean, ultimately his brother. I mean, he, this two, like, like Kleiman said, best of friends. Helping him out, giving him the tools and the advice that he needed to go out there and get the job done. Because I know Colin Klein is a spectacular offensive coordinator. Like, we know this now. But I think Adrian Martinez's mentorship has a big factor for why he was so successful this season. So it was just so dang cool that he gave him uh, gave him the props. Another thing that was cool was uh, seeing the, the basketball team uh, celebrating uh, the football team's win. Another thing that was super cool, and honestly one of my favorite parts of the whole day that I didn't get to see, was uh, the old ball coach, Lee Corso, putting on the, putting on the K-State head. This year... <laughs> TCU is a team of destiny. Yeah, here we go. They are undefeated and ranked third in the nation. Here we go. They've won every close game. Yep. And earlier this year, they beat Kansas State. Yes, they did. Poor old Kansas. 
Kansas State. No chance, Kansas no State. State. Doesn't have a chance. They'll tell you know what's coming. Yeah, I know what's Not coming. so fast, my friend. Give me Willie. Wow. Oh, in your face. Oh, 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 look at it. Look at LT. That was just, that was so much fun. I'm glad I got to uh, see that. Thank goodness for social media or else I would have missed that. Also, then after the game, uh, the football team flew back down and caught the the basketball game. They were at the basketball game during the halftime to present the Big 12 Championship Trophy. Pretty cool stuff. And then they helped the basketball team rally to a win over Wichita State. Have plenty of time to talk about the basketball team in the future, so probably keep that to uh, to a minimum for today. So the Cats win. Again, final score was 31-28 in overtime. They are playing Alabama in the Sugar Bowl coming up on New Year's Eve at 11 a.m. in Nolens. And this is going to be an interesting matchup because Alabama, of course, obviously missing out on the playoff. Who is and who isn't going to be playing in this game? Is Bryce Young going to suit up? How about Will Anderson? How about Jameer Gibbs? Are they going to suit up? My guess, I'm guessing that Young might play. I don't think Will Anderson will. I don't. Jamar Gibbs is a maybe, but I, I almost guarantee you Will Anderson is not going to play. Those who are unaware, he is their stellar defensive end who is likely to be a probably a top five pick, I would say. I haven't looked at a mock draft in some time now, but... I would imagine he's not going to suit up. Meanwhile, other on the other side of the field, not the other side of the field, but the other defensive end for the other team, Felix Enudike Uzama, who is also likely to be a first-round pick, he will be suiting up. There's no doubt in my mind every single team on this roster that has a chance to play will be playing. I guess whoever has a chance to play in the NFL, I meant, has a chance to play in the NFL draft, will be playing. Course, Will Howard has a chance, maybe not after this year, but in the future he does, so he'll be playing. Cooper Beebe has a chance to play in the NFL after this year, he'll be playing. And I know Deuce Vaughn's playing. And I really hope that Adrian Martinez gets some special packages as well. I know Chris Kleiman has talked about how if they make a if they make a bowl game, well, I mean, when they play in a bowl game, I guess is what he said, that he'll get some packages. So very much looking forward to that. Again, that's December 31st, 11 a.m. Eastern, excuse me, 11 a.m. Central. Goodness, we'll, we'll find out more about who is and who isn't playing for Alabama as the next few weeks uh, progress. So I'm going to go ahead and leave it there. This has uh, been a lot of fun. Uh, I was going to start talking about other stuff around college football, but I am very tired. I've had eight hours of sleep in the last two nights, so I think it's time that I wrap things up. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a lot of fun uh, getting to talk about a game that I got to witness in real life. It was so cool. By far the best sporting event I've ever seen in my entire life. It, it beats the three amazing 2019 games of the OU game and in, in, in football and in basketball as well. That was, of course, when we clinched the Big 12 regular season title and the West Virginia game, which was the spark to the road to the Big 12 championship game. But it surpasses all of those, the KU game as well. So I guess there was four games, so we got, we got spoiled that year. Anyway, beats all those 
by far seeing K-State win a Big 12 title in person, in overtime, just unbelievable. So I'm very grateful that I got to go out and do that. So uh, again, thanks for listening, and uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll see, uh, maybe I'll do another episode here in, as we get closer to conference basketball season. Uh, we will see, again, I am working 70, 75 hours a week, so it's pretty pretty challenging to do these often, but I had, I had to do one after what happened yesterday. So again, thank you so much for listening, uh, and have a great rest of your week, and go Cats!